Series B or, or at times very interesting debt and equity um, raises and have financial reporting and technical accounting issues that need to be vetted out. So really just making sure that you're kind of stacking the team um, so that they can support you in all those different ways and, and not, you know, make sure that they're helping you to not hinder your growth now that you have that capital in the door. Hey, this is Aaron Price, the CEO of Tech United New Jersey. Very excited for today's show. We've got Century Business Consulting here, Joe Nataro, the partner and the technology practice leader, as well as Jamie Krug, a partner and technical accounting practice leader and chief quality officer. Great to see you both today. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. Thank you. So we're very excited to have you part of the Tech United New Jersey community. But for today's show, where are the two of you actually based? We'll start with you, Joe. Yeah, I actually also live in New Jersey um, in Basking Ridge, but I'm part of our New York office. But we really serve the, the greater New York metro. Excellent. Which does tie into the narrative we talk about, the incredible talent in New Jersey that sometimes gets pulled into New York. But great to have you here. Jamie, where are you? I'm actually in Pennsylvania, out in the uh, western suburbs of Philadelphia. Interesting. Interesting. Well, are we, I'm sure you're very jealous of those of us in New Jersey. But I am. Of well. course. <laughs> so can, you, can you share with us what is Century Business and, and a little bit more about each of your roles? Uh, Jamie, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, I'll start with my role and then pass it off to Joe. Um, I oversee the technical accounting segment at the firm. So very heavy focus in the technology sector, as you can imagine. Um, we're really just helping support companies as they're entering transactions and making sure that we understand you know, the, the details of the underlying transaction and helping guide them through what the accounting literature says. Excellent. And Joe? Yeah. And I'm Joe Nutaro. I'm an accounting advisory partner. And, and as Aaron mentioned, I lead the firm's technology segment. So we're an accounting advisory consulting firm. We don't do audit or taxes, but we do just about everything else. So think valuations, financial reporting, bookkeeping, CFO advisory, risk advisory, and as Jamie mentioned, technical accounting. We even just recently launched an HR advisory segment. And we work a lot of times before or during a company's capital market transaction. So think about helping a company complete their audit, gear up towards an IPO, or really just work on behalf of management to be the liaison between the auditors, lawyers, bankers, or really any of the other company stakeholders. Um, doesn't really start stop there. We assist companies after they go public as well. We have an SEC reporting group. And as I mentioned, risk advisory, which you'll think of it as like an internal audit group. So control gap assessments, control documentation, and eventually testing to support a management for a four certification. So Century was founded in 2011. So we just celebrated our 10 years in Philadelphia, but we currently have offices in New York, Boston, and Denver, as well as what we call Century Virtual, which is really resources scattered strategically throughout the country and in, in most major markets. In 22, though, we are planning on opening up offices in Raleigh, DC, and Tampa to really expand our East Coast presence. And after that, we'll expand West and, and even internationally. We just passed the 100 employee mark and we're still actively looking to grow our firm. Back to Counting Today just named us as the fastest growing accounting firm of 21. So I had to throw that one out there. So, and as the, yeah, thank you. Um, as the firm's tech leader, I work with uh, all different types of companies within the sector. So think of your traditional software companies to some of the emerging technology companies that we're seeing. So FinTech, CleanTech, AutoTech, MedTech, just to name a few. 
We have clients in all stages of the life cycle, from the startup phase to those preparing for a capital market transaction, all the way to a public company with uh, multi-billion dollars in revenue. So we're going to talk about actually the you know companies along that entire growth cycle. I'm curious though, um, was Century Virtual in existence pre-pandemic, or was that in reaction to the pandemic? Yeah, that actually was a, I'd say a happy byproduct of the pandemic. Whenever we um, kind of seeing how the world had shifted and everyone was working remotely, we we leaned into that a bit. And instead of you know limiting ourselves to geographic locations of our employees, we started looking to where where do we really need the talent? What expertise are we looking to add onto the team? And strategically looked at cities that in the future we'd like to have brick and mortars and started hiring individuals with the skill sets that we needed in and around those cities. So it uh as I said, you know, very happy byproduct and something that we continue to find a, a really nice addition um, as we look to build out the team. Have you, in the in the tech world in particular, where people were working remotely and using technology to enable remote work pre-pandemic, have you found that leaning into Century Virtuals giving you an edge, especially in the service provider space where there's some, you know, some kind of older school mentality occasionally in a in a, in a more traditional work environment? Has that has that been a strategic advantage for Century? Yeah, absolutely. You know, being able to leverage technology and, and support that industry um, by, again, you know, building teams uh, across different cities with different skill sets and backgrounds has been just instrumental. And uh, even today, you know, as the world's starting to open back up, we're not finding that our clients are really looking for us to be on site as much. It's more just that we're available and able to meet their deadlines. They don't really care where we're working from as long as we're checking both those boxes. So we talked about the various stages of growth. You talked about sort of from startup to IPO. When is the right time for a company to think about engaging uh, either of you and, and the services of a century? Now, as Jamie had mentioned, you know we do help companies at all stages of of development. So we have companies that are at the startup phase all the way to multi billion dollars in revenue. Um, so there's there's no I guess sweet spot, but but a lot of times what happens is. You know, we'll have companies once they are they've they've are they're merging and maybe they just raised, for example, a Series B, um, which is by the way an incredible achievement in the startup company's growth cycle. Should definitely celebrate it. But it's also a good time to think about what's the next step in the company's journey. So you just got an influx of cash. What do you do with it? Do yeah. you invest in further development of your technology? Do you look to hire more people? Do you need more space? Sometimes you don't, but sometimes you do. It's and you know maybe it's a good time to reflect on your short and longer term goals as a team. Um, you know, some companies, especially in the tech space, they want to become the next Google. They want to become a household name that'll stand the next the test of time. Or other companies, no, that's not the long term plan. You know, they want to create a company, turn over the keys, and test the waters of an exit strategy. So, does this cash give you the ability to acquire another company? And then just keeping in mind, how long does the cash that you have, you know, how's the, how long is it going to last? Yeah. I think what advice? Gonna, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jamie. Sorry. I was going to say to echo that, right? That the sooner the better, right? For all those things that Joe called out, they're extremely important things to consider. And so the sooner you get us involved, the better, because um, we're going to be able to guide you through that process a little bit more seamlessly than if you kind of wait until the, the very end to start trying to put the pieces together. It could get a little bit chaotic and, and end up compromising your potential deal. Yeah, that makes sense. So having worked with a lot of startups on funding rounds, is there any advice you you would have for them as, you know, once the round is completed and how to think about kind of the best use of capital and next steps? 
Yeah, I mean, to Joe's point, it's a huge milestone, right? It's really a catalyst that takes the company to its next stage of growth. So being able to you know, get the right advisors, I think, on board who can help you kind of peek around the corner to what's coming next, to realign you know, strategic goals um, to the extent that your, your, your investors, the new investors that you brought on, maybe there's additional reporting requirements that you now need to put together for them. Um, and of course, I'm always going to plug the technical accounting. You know, a lot of times this Series B are, are at times very interesting debt and equity um, raises and have financial reporting and technical accounting issues that need to be vetted out. So really just making sure that you're kind of stacking the team um, so that they can support you in all those different ways and, and not, you know, make sure that they're helping you to not hinder your growth now that you have that capital in the door. And specifically from like an accounting standpoint, all of these companies we're talking about here are are aiming for high growth and they have different means of, of making that happen and different, you know, Joe, to your point, like different goals in their, in the outcomes, but from an accounting perspective, what should they keep in mind? What consideration should they, should they keep in mind and what reporting might be coming that they may not have you know thought about in, in prior rounds? Yeah. I mean, from a technical accounting perspective, things that they probably don't realize is at times you, you issue it's shares and on the surface, you know, preferred shares, sure it's equity, but not always the case, you know, so depending on what your reporting requirements are, if your investors want to see audited financial statements, um, what on the surface may seem like a, a very simple and rudimentary transaction can have a lot of financial reporting implications that involve, you know, our team, you know, to get involved and to sort through the guidance, which at times is complex. Um, it also could require, you know, valuation experts to come in. And to the extent that if you haven't had a 409A to determine what the equity value of your company is, that's an additional cost, additional time and effort that you need to make sure your investors are aware is coming and that it's baked into, you know, at times companies are very tight on cash and, and having, you know, unexpected uh, things like that come up that they have to pay for can have a ripple effect on the organization. So uh, it, again, it, at times it turns into a lot more complex um, reporting requirements after the fact. So just getting the right advisors in place to help kind of navigate and set those expectations, I think is critical. I wonder if either of you can share any uh, any anecdotes of experiences where you've walked into a, a new client engagement and it was kind of a disaster. And, and really I'm asking that because of like, what should people avoid doing? Like, what do they need to set up for, for success in the future? What have you walked into and said, wow, like this was this was not done well. I'm glad we were here to fix it, but this this wasn't a great situation. Yeah, I mean, w- one thing that just comes to mind is is maybe the, the the company who didn't realize all the things that you need to do um, from a financial reporting and technical accounting standpoint until it was maybe too late. So, you know, I, I, I had a client that had never been audited before, and now we're going through a sale, or um, and they were concurrently trying to go to sell themselves, but also go public, and they happen to be revenue generating. And the company had never put together a 606 analysis documenting how the revenue was recognized. And you know, the, the, the main point of, of uh, your 606 analysis is to, is to conclude, should you be recognizing you know, over time or all upfront revenue? And because the company hadn't gone through that, you know, working with the auditors, they 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 wouldn't sign off on the on, on the financial records until they had put together that analysis. So something that could have been done maybe six months or even a year before had to be done quickly. And you know, we we got there, but the deal almost fell apart because the the buyer wasn't sure that the revenue was recorded on in, in, uh, in accordance with the guidance appropriately. Yeah. 
Jamie, anything to add like that? Yeah, unfortunately, that's uh, not a one-off story. I feel like whenever people are calling us, it's in the 11th hour, you know, we're having to kind of act as a SWAT team and come in and save the day. Um, but yeah, that's that's a, a very great example, Joe, you know, of where at times, you know, it's, it's companies have done things the same way for years and years and years, and it's the, the transaction turns into somewhat of an inflection point that they have to go back and pull back the covers a little bit further um, than maybe they had before. And so, yeah, not, not knowing what you're walking into, is, especially if you're um, coming into a deal, can definitely have a, again, you know, a ripple effect on, on that transaction and ultimately what comes out the other side. Yeah, absolutely. So as you know, that's when you sort of walk in the door and we've talked about the, the growth and potential exit and IPO strategy. And so as companies raise capital and start thinking about you know, their future plans, what considerations, let's start with the IPO piece of it. Um, what considerations should they have in place if they're thinking about going public? Yeah, the one thing that I really want to stress for, for when you're going to go public is how critical experience matters and especially sector-specific experience. So making sure you have lined up your legal and financial and accounting advisors who've done this before will save a lot of money and frankly, headaches down the road. Again, like any specific issues that you see come up where especially I'm thinking first-time founders where their company's growing and they're going public and they don't have that kind of maybe personal experience, where do there tend to be missteps? Yeah, I, I can chime in there. I feel like it's always around the cap table, to be honest, um, especially companies that have been raising money and bringing on investors, You know, maybe in small tranches, but over a, a number of years that whenever the auditors come in to do their first ever you know, PCOB audit, um, perhaps the periods that we're talking about that are going to be covered by that report or, you know, we're doing it today, 21 and 20 um, fiscal years. But if they issued equity five, 10 years ago, that's all within play. And, and the auditors need to get comfortable over that. So not having, you know, good records, if you've had some changeover in management, um, things like that, people aren't able to really speak to the details of what have happened in the past as, as it relates to that equity balance. Um, that always turns into a bit more of a headache than I think you know people probably realize at the front end, and that goes whether it's complex equity that we're talking about or even just straightforward you know stock options and things of that nature. Um, I feel like that's always that's the first question we ask is you know how does your cap table what's the makeup who's managing it and you really start to drill into that early because that always seems to be a bit of a headache. Is there any technology that you recommend? You know, there are a few services that help people manage your cap tables. Or anything you recommend people do early on to to keep that clean? Yeah, I think, you know, getting legal counsel involved is always really helpful because they're usually the ones kind of managing those um, agreements. So making sure that you are getting things loaded into the cap table early and, and having somebody really take ownership of that. Um, I, I always plug the 409A valuations as a private company, you know, making sure that every time you have an equity issuance, you do get a 409A. If, if they're happening multiple times a year or at a minimum, get it twice a year. Um, it's just good, good support to have that again, you know, once the auditors come calling, that, that's the first thing they're going to want to see. And having that unexpected cost, you know, again, in the 11th hour, you're trying to get your audit done for the first time and having to go back multiple years and have multiple of those valuations done, it, it just adds up. So really getting somebody who knows kind of the, the process and is able to guide you through early on is always better than trying to patch it all together at the end of the day. Yeah. Any difference with, um, in preparation for uh, a merger or an acquisition that's different from an IPO and, and things that you think are important to keep in mind for consideration there? Yeah. So first off, 
establishing a deal team is going to be critical. That won't, that'll help you not only identifying the right target, but establishing your right value. So getting valuation and legal and everyone in, at the table is going to be key. Who um, should be on that deal team? What, what's deal Yeah. So you want somebody who has some merger and acquisition experience, but also legal, financial reporting, accounting, as well as, you know, your CEO, CFO, um, you know, a lot of times you'll have a strategic advisor, maybe it's a board member, but, but everyone should be involved in, in, in kind of targeting the right goal. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And, and ultimately, you know, just making sure you're doing the right due diligence. Um, so, so if it, you never want to overpay for a company. So uh, making sure that, you know, like I said, the right valuation model is, is put into place that you're reviewing all the documents in a data room and things like that. And then just, just making sure sometimes having the expertise on your team to analyze historical financial records can also be very valuable. Yeah. So how does Century act? We've talked about a lot of the, the sort of the, the challenges in this process, the opportunities for, for improvement. How does Century specifically act as a partner in helping these, these transaction have, transactions happen more successfully? Yeah, because I, I just want to stress it one more time how critical experience matters during this process. And we just know what it takes to, let's say, go public. And one of the most burdensome requirements is having the last two years of your financial statements audited. And depending on the timing of when you file your S1, you might even need interim financial statements reviewed. And while we don't do audits at Century, but we do act as that liaison with your external auditors to make the process as seamless as possible. So once you understand your timeline, this is really where we can help. So making sure your historical records are scrubbed and any adjustments are identified prior to the auditors coming in and in accordance with the applicable accounting standards, that's going to be key. And then be prepared for your auditors to ask for a technical accounting memo that summarizes your significant contracts or any significant transactions as well as the accounting conclusions reached for every single key transactions. So that's where you know, Jamie's group specializes. For example, if you have a co- customer contract, if you issue stock options or warrants to your employees or your vendors, or if you've entered into a significant debt or equity transactions, we can, we're here to help. And that really lets management focus on running the business or finding the right investment banker or acquisition target or other deal partner. We also can quarterback the S1 document itself. So if you've ever looked at any public filings, it's multiple hundreds of pages. We can prepare the F pages, but we're also the quarterback with your lawyers and the company's management to help you prepare the rest of the document. This includes your MDNA, your other financial statement tables. And we bring that industry expertise to the table and make sure we're not admitting any disclosures. The last thing that you want is to file it and then just be hung up on a back and forth with SEC comment letters that could have been avoided on the onset. So it's because it could be a lengthy process to, to, from, from initial filing to eventually going effective. I wonder if either of you have any uh, you know, closing remarks on the, the state of the market. I mean, you know, it's been, uh, there's been a lot of cash and a lot of capital getting put to work, a lot of companies uh, being acquired and IPOing. Do you see a change you know, anytime soon or you think that there's still uh, a lot of activity to be had this, you know, the remainder of this year? Yeah, I think there's definitely still a lot of activity to come. Um, you know, we spent a lot of time working actually with companies in the SPAC space 
So if you know anything about that industry, you know that there's a lot of sponsor companies out there with a lot of capital to deploy. So I, I think you're still going to see a lot of activity there over the next year. Um, and, and while, you know, we're certainly, as compared to last year, I think we're a little bit, you know, slower this year, but I don't know that that's an appropriate benchmark to use. So <laughs> if you look at any years prior to that, I think we're still trending pretty uh, similarly. Yeah. Well, I appreciate both of you joining us today. I think there's a lot to learn here and probably a lot more. And I think, you know, certainly companies in our network that are that are raising capital or think about thinking about an M&A transaction or an IPO. Hopefully they'll reach out sooner than later to avoid some of those mistakes. We, if we were in person, do a lot of high-fiving. And so we'll end on, on the virtual high-fives and the count of three high-five your camera. One, two, three, boom. Good to see you. <laughs> thanks so much and see you soon. All right. Thanks so much, Eric. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Let us know your favorite takeaways on social media at We Are Tech United. Stay tuned. More of Tech United on Tap next.